You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. We're bringing this series, or I'm bringing this series, uh, an exodus to a close because beginning with chapter 21... Uh, I preached a series on that called The Pathway to God's Presence several years ago. And, of course, our goal is to go through the whole Scripture, uh, every book of the Bible. We've gone through, in fact, one of these days I'll give you a list of all the Scriptures we've gone through over the past uh, 14 years. And so this first section of Exodus will be completing this coming Sunday evening. And tonight I want to share with you about the next to the last commandment. So stand with me. Exodus chapter 20. And here is what we read in verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's say that aloud together. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, keep a little marker right there and turn with me over to the book of James. The book of James. Several years ago, when we were looking at the Ten Commandments as they relate to our families, God impressed me. In fact, God shared something with me one night that brought our family to a time of personal revival. I came before this church a few days afterwards and shared with you what God had shared with me. And uh, since that time, many have said, you know, those truths just set me free. And so I want you to look with me at these truths again because it relates to this 20th commandment, or to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, this ninth commandment. Look with me at verse 3. He's speaking about the tongue. And, of course, we're thinking about bearing false witness against your neighbor. Behold, he says, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they're so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small rudder or helm wherever the governor wants. You have whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature. It's set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after this likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord in prayer this evening. I'm getting a little bit of feedback and slap up here, Glenn, if I could. Father in heaven, I pray trusting, believing that your Holy Spirit has brought us here. I pray, Heavenly Father, you will open our hearts to the truths of this which is your word. And Lord, we want to believe that you have truth to set us free tonight. 
And I certainly believe that, and I pray that many people here this evening will have hearts touched and lives changed. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Now, you've marked Exodus chapter 20. You have your Bible open to James chapter 3. Some years ago, as I was preparing my heart to preach a message to this congregation on Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, I, um, the, the weekend before, was driving over to eastern Oklahoma to preach. And as I was driving, for some reason, no one was with me. Usually when I travel, uh, either Jeannie's with me or, or some of the guys on the staff or one of you men is with me. But for some reason that night, nobody was with me. And so I was meditating as I drove across uh, country about that passage of Scripture. Here's what occurred to me. Over my lifetime, I could pinpoint specifically five negative statements either made directly to me or in my presence, which I had just, like you would inhale passive smoke, I had just sucked them into my system and they were at work doing damage to me. I was living out these statements. Uh, statements, some of them begin like, you will never, or you're just like. Um, one of them, I overheard some preachers. They, these guys were, were big-time preachers on the way to the Southern Baptist Convention, and I was, you know, just, you know, out wet behind the ears. And they were talking about a guy who had really been used of God and had, uh, uh, had trouble in his church, and one of the preachers said to the other, he said, well, I'll tell you this. He said, he said if you, you ever have it and lose it, you never get it again. And so I just assumed that if you had God's touch on your life and you went through a time of struggle, that you'd never have God's touch on your life again. I just assumed that was true. There were five statements like that. And I, I began to realize, you know, I, have, I don't know why I believed them, but I just believed them. And I was, I was fulfilling them. I mean, I was just living them out. And on the way home that evening... God showed me how to break the curse, the power of those statements in my life. And it, it ushered me into a time of spiritual revival. And in fact, to this day, to some extent, it lingers in my heart, that revival does. I, I was hoarse from singing. Got in after midnight. I was hoarse from singing. I said to Jeannie the next morning, and the kids at the breakfast table, want everybody here tonight. And... Uh, so we all got around the table, and, and Joe and Dorothy, I think Tony and Beth were just engaged at that time. Tony was there at the table, the, the supper table that night. He was there at the supper table a lot of nights, if you want to know the truth. Uh, but uh, at, any, at any rate, uh, I was trying to explain to them about the, these, these negative statements of these words, and I thought, well, maybe they don't know what I mean. And I looked around the table, and everybody was just so somber. And one of my daughters said, I, I know what you mean. And she said, you know, some years ago we had a family reunion and I came in and kicked this coffee table and something fell off and broke and somebody said, you're the clumsiest person in the world. She said, from that moment on, and you can't believe, I mean, from that moment on, she said, I've always just felt that I was clumsy and my big goal when I'm around people is just not to break anything. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize that. Another one, another one of my daughters said, uh, you remember when we were living in Africa, Dad, and I ran over that that uh, cobra out there in the driveway and you were on the telephone and finally gotten a phone call through the states and I came in to tell you about this big snake in the driveway and you kept going like that and because you were trying to hear and then when you hung up you said I could just shoot you and she said I know you didn't really mean that but you know ever since then I've really wondered uh, how you know 
am I as loved as the rest of the children in this family? Isn't that something? Years and miles away. Who would have ever thought of that? Um, uh, Beth, I remember Beth who's sitting back here. Beth saying to me, you know, can I tell this? She says, yes, too late. I'm already into it. Yeah, she said, I can. Beth said, a friend of mine at school told me that the only reason I have friends is because I'm the preacher's daughter. And she said, I've always just assumed that was true. My son said, uh, a friend of mine told me that I was always good to be in the crowd because I could make everybody laugh. He said, I just thought that was my goal. My wife, who grew up in a home where um, there was some criticism and some, uh, she said, you know, I've always, always wondered. She, I was just told I wouldn't amount to anything. And, um, you know, we joined hands around that table, and I shared with them what I'm going to share with you quickly tonight. And we just broke the power of those statements. It was incredible uh, how, how God broke the power of those statements. So I'm going to ask you to do three things tonight, okay? Three things. Here, just write them down real quickly. First of all, and these are just real simple. I mean, they are so simple, you can't miss these. First, I'm going to ask you to believe something, all right? To believe something, all right? I'm going to ask you to believe in the awesome potential of words in your life. To believe how powerful, what potential words have in your life. Notice in verse 3, he says they have the potential to exert control. He says they're like the bits in a horse's mouth that we put there so they'll obey us. And we, we take that little bit, like we take little words, and we turn people. Let me give you an example. I want all of you to complete this statement. Now, some of you of later generations will not be able to fill in these words. I want you to complete this statement. Eat everything on your plate. After all, think, come on, say it, of all the starving in China. Eat everything on your plate, and while you're doing it, think of the starving in China. And, uh, you know, Dad's back here. I mean, Dad said that to me, you know. I mean, you said it to your kids. Yeah, everybody, eat everything there, you know. And me, being a mission-minded person, I begin to eat for China. And, and, and later on, I begin to eat for other countries. And then, then I really got in the spirit of this. I started eating for the world, you know. I just, Lord, this is on my heart. I'm thinking of all the starving of all the world. Think of how we, how we control people by our words. And notice he says they also have the power to establish the course of your life. Look at verse 4. He says it's like a ship. The ships, which they're so great, they're driven with fierce winds. Yet, how, what? listen, they're turned about with a very small helm. So here's this life, your life, tremendous potential, but it's turned like Dwight L. Moody in a positive way. One day he heard somebody say, the world has yet to see what God will do with the life of a man who is totally committed to him. And Dwight L. Moody said, I'll be that man. So it was like a rudder on the ship. But it can also happen negatively. Right here in our neighborhood, I visited a house one time, and the girl said, I'll never go to church. And I said, why? She said, my mother made me go to church. She said, we're always going to go to church, and, and now that I'm grown and gone, I'm, I'm not going to let my mother control my life. I said, she still is. But in reverse. But she still is controlling your life by those words. And so maybe you've had words like this. You look just like, you'll never be, you'll always be, you can't do... You, maybe you have words like that that have hurt you, that have, that have cut you. I think I, I told this congregation one time about a man that um, I met. Well, his wife actually introduced me to him. She came up after I had spoken on this subject, and she said, 
My husband has not sung a note of music since he was in third grade. And he was in his 50s. And she said they were practicing a song. And she said, the teacher, when he was in the third grade, didn't mean anything bad by this. But just the teacher just said, you know, this time don't you sing because I think you're singing off key. And that just went into his heart. Just lacerated him. And he just quit singing. And maybe, there, maybe you quit singing. Well, maybe not musically, but maybe there's another song in your life. Some potential, some possibilities, some things God wants you to be. But you quit singing that song a long time ago. Somebody took it away. Somebody took your song. Just by a word, a you'll never, you'll always, you can't. You know, a statement like that. And so, I mean, do you believe in the potential of words in your life? I mean, you, Reader's Digest says every, what? It pays to increase your word power. Words have potential, don't they, in our life? All right, second thing I'm going to ask you to do is this. Beware of something. What is that? Beware of the awful problem with words in your life. Beware of the awful problem with words in your life. Now, I want you to look at this quickly because I'm, I'm not going to park here very long. But I want you to see four words that describe our tongue. Boy, this is tough. Number one, iniquity. Look at verses 5 and 6. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It boasts great things. Behold how great a matter. A little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. Iniquity. Why has the tongue got iniquity in it? Because it's tied to our heart. Let me see the whites of your eyes for just a minute. The book of Proverbs says that if you talk too much, ultimately you're going to sin. The longer you talk, the more your tongue is dredging up what's down in your heart, and ultimately you're going to say something that is sinful. There is iniquity in the tongue. Number two, there is insubordination in the tongue. Look at verse 7. He says, Every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed, has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue, verse 8, can no man tame. Insubordination. You can't domesticate the tongue. There's never a time when you can take the reins off the tongue and let it run free. There's never a time when you can unpin the tongue, unfence the tongue. Some of you heard me tell about trying to domesticate. They told us in Africa you can't domesticate a Cape buffalo. Cape buffalo are mean. I mean, really mean. They're one of the most feared animals in Africa, one of the top five most feared animals in Africa because they, they unlike others, start hunting you and they'll, they'll kill you. And, and uh, one day we're out hunting and we were successful and... And on the way back, I happened to see a little Cape buffalo calf. And I said to the guys, hey, if you can catch that, we'll take that back to the ranch and uh, we're going to domesticate that thing. We're going to prove that saying wrong. We took that little Cape buffalo back, stuck that thing in a paddock. Man, I want to tell you something. You can't domesticate a Cape buffalo. I tried. I tried feeding that thing. That thing would take out anything. Took out me. Took out all, a little bitty thing. I mean, just, it just finally we had to turn it loose. Well, the tongue is that way. You never can get to a moment where you can just let your tongue rattle. There's insubordination in it. Number three, infection. Infection. Look at verse 8, the second part. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, talk these days about secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke. You know, we say, hey, you know, the truth of the matter is secondhand smoke can sometimes be more lethal, more deadly than first-hand smoke. I don't know how hard that could be, but, but they say that it is, that it's dangerous. And uh, because people are just sitting around, they're just, 
you know, there, somebody blows this stuff out. It's got carcinogens in it. There's somebody else over here. But you've got to breathe. You can't not breathe. So you just, you just breathe it in. Well, that's the way it is with words. You're out here in this world. People are talking. And pretty soon somebody says this or somebody says this or that about the way you look or the way they feel or what you can do or what you can't do or the way you ought to act or the way you ought to be or about your heritage or about your future. And they just start, and these words are just flying around in the air. And I want to tell you something, you can't get around it. They're just going to infect you. If you're, not going, if you're not careful, if you don't guard your heart, they're just going to infect you. If I came to you with a syringe that had poison in it and said, I just want to inject a little bit of this in your veins, you'd start running. But yet words are more poisonous than poison. It kills your future. It dashes your hopes. It destroys your dreams. It, it tears up your life, these words. And so there's infection in the tongue. And then number four, inconsistency. The word inconsistency. Look at verses 9 through 12. He said, this tongue is a crazy thing. We bless God and then we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. That doesn't make sense. In fact, he said it talks about fountains and fresh water and bitter water. And he said, the tongue does something a fountain doesn't do. And a tree doesn't do. A tree doesn't bear two kinds of fruit. A fountain doesn't yield two kinds of water. But a tongue yields two kinds of things. Praise to God and curses to men. And so the tongue has got inconsistency in it. Now, having said all that, let me take the final portion of this message to tell you what God showed me that night and what I shared with my family about how you can, you can nullify or break the power of those words. And so that's the last thing I said. First of all, I want you to believe in the potential of words. Number two, beware of the awful problem with words. Number three, how to break the adverse power of words in your life. And I'm going to show you how to do that just real quickly. Here it is. There are three things, three things God has given every believer so that you might do battle. Three things. He has given you the Scripture. The Scripture is final authority. There's no other truth out there that the devil's going to reveal that is not consistent with... You know, the, the Scripture has power over the devil. He's not going to come with some truth that's not there. The Scripture is absolute, true truth. All right? Number two, the name of Jesus. And that doesn't mean just J-E-S-U-S. -S. That means his person. His person. Now look, listen to this. If you're a Christian, God is at work inside you, conforming you to the image of Jesus. Okay? So when you're praying in the name of Jesus, you're, you're aware that God's making you Christ-like. God's at work making you Christ-like. And number three, the blood of Jesus, the atoning work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. All right? So here's what I did with those five statements. Those five negative, powerful curses that, that I was just, man, I was a victim of them. I mean, I was just living by them, and you're living by some in your own life. Here's what I did. Number one, one at a time, I brought them up to the Scripture. 
And I said, does the Bible say that this is true about me? You know what? In not one instance was the Bible consistent with that. There was no place the Bible said any of those things about me that I could never, I'd never be, I was just like, I would have to, if God had ever done this, he'd never do it again. There's no place in the Bible where it said that. And so, on the authority of the Word of God, I just said, I break you. Then I brought the statements next to the name of Jesus. Remembering, he is working inside me to make me like Jesus. God's ultimate goal is to conform me to the image of his dear son, Romans 8, 29. He's conforming me to the image of his son. So, I ask this second question. Is this consistent with the character of Jesus? Because God's going to make me like Jesus. Is this consistent with the character of Jesus? And in not one instance was it, were they consistent with the character of Jesus. Not one of them was Christ-like. And so on the authority of the Word of God, secondly, the name of Jesus, I just said, I break you. I'm not going to let you infect me like that. Then I brought them up to the blood of Jesus. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I brought up to the blood of Jesus, and I asked this question. Is this statement and the the character the sin that it represents is it something that was not covered in the atoning work of christ on the cross did did jesus die and somehow this sin slipped by undied for and in not one instance not one instance could i find in one of those statements that that was a characteristic or a sin that jesus had not died for And so, first of all, in the name of Jesus. Secondly, well, first on the authority of the Word of God. Secondly, on the authority of Jesus' name. And third, because of His shed blood on the cross of Calvary, I just broke those curses. And I began to see that those statements did not need to have power over me. And you can do the same thing. You say, Tom, are you sure that 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 would work? I was in a church service one night. There were over 3,000 people there. And I said, I want to see some hands. There's another state. It was over in Tennessee. And, and I said, I'd like to see the hands of those of you who maybe have never verbalized this, but you just think you're going to die of cancer. And the reason for that is that somebody has... You, you've been to visit somebody, and they have you know, said, and they have cancer, and they've asked you how you're doing, and you say, well, I'm doing pretty good, or I'm going through this treatment, or I'm doing this, and they say, yeah, I did that too, but it just, just didn't work. And you just assumed from that moment on that God wasn't going to work in you. And I'm looking at several people out here nodding your heads. I asked them to raise their hand. Approximately seven to 800 people in that congregation raised their hands. Isn't that amazing? Never told anybody, just going through life, just assuming, well, that's what's going to happen to me because that's what happened to them. See that just passive curse, just suck it into your system, see? Well, then I said, all right, how many of you all are walking around on eggshells in your marriage and you're absolutely scared witless thinking that your partner's going to leave you, you just know you're going to get a divorce because someone close to you, maybe some loved one, you know, they went through this and they ask you one day, well, how are you doing? You say, hey, I'm doing great. And they say, yeah, I was doing good too. I, things were going along long well. I had no idea. Man, I got blindsided. And so you've just gone through life thinking, well, that's... 
You know, you just suck that into your system. You say, well, that's what's going to happen to me. Again, seven to 800 people. In fact, uh, when the invitation was given, almost 1,200 people came to the altar to break the curse of words. All of us in this church love rough and snow. And Ruffin, as you know, was a former staff member and was here for five years. Now he's gone to pastor a church in Conover, Tennessee, Conover, North Carolina. When God showed me this, I was on my way within a day or two. Well, the next Monday night, I was on my way over to preach in Arkansas. And I called Ruffin. I said, you want to drive over there with me? And uh, man, I mean, he was just not feeling well and he just worked himself to a frazzle. And he had missed days at work. I mean, he's told this story himself, so it's not anything. And he just worn out. And, um, and, and the joke among us about Ruffin was he never took a vacation, or if he did take a vacation, he'd always come back, you know, and it just never was gone. And so I was telling Ruffin about this. And he, I said, you probably don't understand this. He said, I got one of those. And I said, what do you mean? He said, um, you know, I've just about ruined my life by just constantly being here he said just stay you know just being you know and everybody said oh brother Ruffin, you know what's well, wonderful and he said i've just about ruined my life never taken a good vacation my family's never and he said you know something as you're talking about this i can go back to a time when i first started preaching he said i was in pine bluff as associate pastor and the pastor of the church was always going somewhere preaching and he said one day i was back in a little broom closet they call my office and two secretaries were talking and one of them said, where's brother so-and-so? And the other one said, who knows, out running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And, um, and the other secretary said, well, I'll tell you this about brother Ruffin. He doesn't know anything about preaching, but at least he's always here. And he said, Tom, he said, I have concluded wrongly, and you know wrongly because he's a great preacher. He said, I concluded wrongly that the only thing I had to offer was just always being there. And he said, come to think of it, I've almost killed myself and my family just trying to always be there. Now, the question is, what is it in your life that you need to break tonight? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray trusting that your Holy Spirit would bring people to freedom and to liberty tonight. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that um, you'd just do it, that, you, that there'd be people that chains would just snap tonight and you'd just set people free. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what we want to do. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just keep your head bowed for a minute. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you need to trust in Jesus as your Savior, now listen carefully. You know, you know, you know you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to get up in a few moments when other people are coming forward. You go over here to your right where it says seating for new members and there'll be some counselors there and you just tell them, I want to trust Jesus tonight. If you need to join this church, there are always people that are in the worship service. God's speaking to you about joining this church. When we get up in a few moments, I want you to come over here where it says seating for new members. There'll be some counselors standing there and you just tell them, I want to join, we want to join this church. It may be that you've joined in a recent service, we've not introduced you. Uh, but just come be seated over here where it says seating for new members. Now, I'm going to ask you to do that in just a minute. Now, on your own, I'm not going to say anything else about that, but just on your own, when we stand in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to come over there. But here at this altar, around this book of life and on these steps and down this prayer rail, in a few moments, we're going to stand, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. Then I'm going to ask everybody who has in your life some 
curse of words that you want, you want to see God break it, we're going to have prayer right here at this altar. And so I'm going to ask you, as a matter of fact, let's just stand to our feet. Father, I pray you'd bring many people to this altar. I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. You just get out of your pew right where you are. Come and kneel right down here. You say, man, I got one of those. I can think of things like that in my life that have been said to me. Man, I can think of a dozen things. I can think of things that have affected me, that have impacted me. And so get out all over the auditorium. You just come down here, and we're going to kneel, and we're going to pray that God will break the curse of these words, that God will just break the curse of these words. So you just come on, and we're going to have a prayer time, and if you're coming to trust Jesus as your Savior, if you're coming to join the church, if you're coming because you have joined, then we've not introduced you, well, then um, uh, you, you go right over here to the right, and you find one of our counselors, Wilson, standing over here, and there's Al and Carol, and here's... Uh, uh, Ralph and some of the others, and they'll, they'll meet you. That's it. You just come and find them. All right, come on now. We're, we're anybody else before we pray together. All right, now what we're going to do, first of all, let's just pray that God will give us clarity. Father, I pray for clarity of thought, and I pray for faith in these moments, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Now, would you do this? Would you take that statement, those words which have such impact in your life, and right now in your heart, would you just say, first of all, I am bringing that up against the Scripture. God, your Scripture does not say this is true, and so I break the curse of those words. Would you say that? God, your Scripture says this is, does not say this is true, so I break it. Let's say together, together. God, your Scripture does not say this is true, so I break the curse of those words. Now let's bring it up to the character of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And we're going to say, God... This is not consistent with Jesus, and so I break the curse of these words. Let's say it. God, this is not consistent with Jesus, so I break the curse of these words. And now let's bring it up to the blood of Jesus. And we're going to just say this. God, this was not left uncovered by the atonement, so I break the curse of those words. Let's say it. God, this was not left uncovered by the atonement, so I break the curse of those words. And in your heart right now, would you just say, on the authority of God's word, in the name of Jesus and because of his shed blood, I just break right now, just break the curse of these words in my life. And would you just remind yourself of this? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I'm going to ask you to get up from your feet right now as free people. You've been set free from the curse of those words. Father in heaven, I pray trusting right now that a great sense of freedom will fill the heart of every person here. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go back to your seats there. Amen. And let's all just be seated for a moment. Let's just be seated. And I, I tell you what, if the devil brings against you some other curse, some other word, some other statement about you or your life or your ministry or your family or your future or your job or your abilities or your inabilities or what's going to happen, you just break the curse of those words by the authority of the Scripture in the name of Jesus and because of his shed blood. Amen? Amen. All right, ushers, would you make your way right down here to the aisles? And let's prepare to give. I mean, let's give a great, great offering to the Lord tonight. 
And if you're a guest, if you'll take that guest registration form and just drop it in the offering basket, make sure you fill it out. And uh, this is a wonderful time for us to give our tithes and our offerings in our service this evening. We need some men right over here, guys, right down here at the front. Thank you. Here we go. There we go. Great. Thank you for helping us over here. Amen. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, okay. Dave, good. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the freedom that people have felt and sensed in this service tonight. We pray trusting that your Holy Spirit will bring it before us that in the name of Jesus, on the authority of your word and because of your precious shed blood, we can break every statement that's negative and powerful, sinful and evil that would affect our lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. These men are going to help us as we give of our tithes and as we give of our offerings this evening. While they're doing that, Brother Mike, would you come and introduce some folks who've made decisions in our worship services? Brother Tom Chip, Linda, and Ian Crum, joined by letter. Ian is in Awanas tonight, so he's not with Mom and Dad. Amen. These are Ralph's neighbors. Ralph, you stand up with them right here. Chip, Linda, God bless you. Welcome to First Southern. We're so glad y'all are here. Amen. Y'all stand right over there. Ian is a cubby tonight. He's having a great time. They're going to stand here at the front, and you can come by and shake their hand and tell them that you love them, you welcome them in the family. You know, wouldn't it be sad to stand down here and you didn't come down and welcome them? It'd be sad for you because uh, you'd miss getting to squeeze the hand of somebody who's just had a touch from God. And so I want to encourage you to come and shake hands with them. Tell them how much you love them. Everybody in choir, everybody in the orchestra, and men, don't you get out of this tent till you get your men's Saturday morning breakfast tickets. A week from Saturday morning is when it starts. So do them now and avoid the big Sunday rush. All right, let's stand together. Brother Bill, would you lead us? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing that chorus together. 